You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, today we're continuing, as you've already heard, on our series, Empowered. Can we all say Empowered? Empowered, our series on the life-changing presence and power of Holy Spirit. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, Esther cracked this open with who is the Holy Spirit. Helped us to see that the Holy Spirit is God, just as the Father is God, just as the Son is God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the beginning, He said, let us make man in our image and, and begins to reveal Himself as three persons in one. And Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we started to see how the Holy Spirit had always been present in the earth and at work. But in this era that we are in is given that he might walk alongside us and within us and we can know him. He is a friend just as Jesus was a friend to the disciples. We also saw last week as Luke began to crack open the enormous subject of what does the Holy Spirit do, how amongst other things, he helps us and testifies within us to know that we are sons and daughters. This is part of the work of the Holy Spirit that Luke highlighted to us, that we would know we are the children of God. How is it that someone like me and someone like you with all our, our shame and our hang-ups could come and call God himself Father. Well, the Bible says, the Spirit you received, capital S, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. In other words, the Spirit sees to it that we are sons and that we are daughters and testifies within us. And by the Spirit, we are able to cry Abba, Father is the language of Romans. In other words, Dad, that we can come close, that we can get beyond ourselves and beyond the sin of our lives and know that by the grace of God, He desires us to come right on in and call Him Father. This is a work of the Spirit. And Luke highlighted that He helps us as sons and daughters to walk in proximity and purpose, holiness, unity and proclamation. At the end of the second service last week, I turned us to Luke chapter 11. Conscious there may be some in the room for whom some of this is brand new. I remember when I first became a Christian, I knew nothing really about the Holy Spirit. And there may be some among us for whom this is all a new experience. And uh, we looked at these verses that Jesus says in Luke 11, 9 to 13. So I say to you, Jesus said, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, I think Jesus means by comparison here, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Can we all say how much more? How much more will the Holy Spirit be given to those who ask? And I want to say, if you're on the front end of a journey of coming to know God, the Holy Spirit, you just need to ask and He will come. Today, we're going to look at being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'd like us to understand and grasp today that the Spirit-filled life is the normal Christian life. 
And what I mean by that is it's the intended Christian life. We are designed that we might be spirit-filled. Every single one of us. This is not for people on TBN, on the God channel. This is not for seeming superstars. This is the normal Christian life. It was certainly the Christian life for the New Testament believers. And Paul, in one of his letters to the church in Ephesus, which really was a circular letter to the ordinary Gentile believers in the Ephesus region, he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and one thing that is interesting there is if you go into the linguistics, which not many of us are familiar with, and I think we can put this on the screen, you will see this is the present continuous tense. And really what, what Paul is saying, instead be filled with the Spirit or instead continue to be filled or be being filled with the Spirit. In other words, not make sure you did that thing once and tick that box, but you are living in the fullness of a Spirit-filled life. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's remarkable to me that in times of church history, this glorious reality of knowing the infilling, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit has somehow at times been lost or diminished in certain parts of the Christian church. Maybe you've grown up in, in churches where you haven't experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Even a hundred years ago, almost exclusively the Pentecostal denominations in the United Kingdom, of which we are one, understood and lived in the doctrine and the experience of a spirit-filled life, but the other denominations generally didn't. But how wonderful that in the days in which we live, you know, the last 50 years of the church in our country, it's been incredible what has happened. You don't often talk about it, but I'm fascinated by recent church history. And one of the things we can see is through the charismatic movement and the house church movement of the 1960s and, and the renewal inside the Anglican church through John Wimber and others and other mainstream denominations. I think through the dissemination of a doctrine and an experience of a spirit-filled life through things like Spring Harvest and New Wine and Soul Survivor. And of course, the Alpha Course, which was birthed out of Holy Trinity Brompton that experienced a spiritual renewal under the ministry of John Wimber, which now 4 million people in the UK have done and devotes three of its 14 sessions to the Holy Spirit. Who is He? What does He do? How can I be filled? That the work of the Holy Spirit and His infilling in our lives has come to the mainstream church in the UK that we can gather at nights like last Sunday night, City Praise and Prayer. And although from all denominations are freedom in the Spirit, because the vast majority in the room have come to experience a Spirit-filled life. Maybe you're here today and this is new for you. And I'm so excited to be introducing you to a Spirit-filled life. There is nothing like it. It is what you were born for. What is the Spirit-filled life. Well, here's my stumbling attempt of what I mean. When the, a life given over to Christ, and what I mean by this is when, when we submit ourselves to Jesus, experiences and sustains the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit as He comes to fill that person and transform them, love them, be with them, reveal truth to them, lead them, and empower them for life, service, and witness from the inside out. That is the Spirit-filled life. We heard last week that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives even before conversion. That's why we, we pray for our non-Christian friends, yes. We, I pray for my neighbours because I believe that God can be at work in their hearts before they yet have come to faith. There is a preparation. The, the Holy Spirit goes to work. He woos, He draws, He convicts, He 
He challenges. Sometimes we, we, as people come into our services and they say, I'm not a Christian. I don't I, I woke up this morning. I felt I had to go to church. What is that? It's the work of the Holy Spirit in someone's life, even before what you might call conversion. We know that the Holy Spirit is at work in our conversion. As we heard last week, Jesus said, you must be born of, the, born of water and born of the Spirit. You must be born again. Talking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus says, how, how can I be born twice? I can't come out of the womb twice. He says, no, you've got to be born of water. The waters break a natural birth. But you've also got to be born of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and enables us to say that Jesus is Lord. 1 Corinthians 12 says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, it is the Holy Spirit at work in us that enables us to come to a real faith in Jesus and give our lives to Jesus. I can remember for me, my, I became a Christian when I was 17. And I'd been in and around church for about six months wrestling with whether I believed this, whether I could commit to this, whether I wanted to be a Christian or not. And I remember on one particular Sunday morning, it was almost as if everything I'd been hearing and learning about had been a little bit blurred, only I didn't realise it. It's like the first time I, I went to the opticians and I realised I needed glasses and I put glasses on. I didn't realise that what I had been seeing was actually out of focus. And suddenly it came into focus. And it was like that for me on that morning. It was as if a lens that was out of focus came into focus. And I understood the cross. I understood the message of forgiveness. I was ready to give my life to Christ. It was a work of the Holy Spirit bringing me through to faith. Your story will be different. But the Holy Spirit is He that enables you to believe in Jesus. And yet, the Holy Spirit is given that we might be more than mere believers. I'm not despising that we, we be, be believers. We must be first and foremost believers. But that is not it. Like it says in the book of James, that you know, we believe in God, but even the demons believe in God and shudder and tremble. It's like, it's good that we believe, but the Holy Spirit has come that we might do more than believe. And he's come to fill us and indwell us with his presence and his power. Nicky Gumbel, I think, gives a, a very good illustration. Pictures are always a challenge when describing theological realities and truths. But one of the great pictures of how the Spirit comes is like a gas boiler. Most of us have got gas boilers in our homes that fire up our central heating systems. And Nicky Gumbel says, it's a little bit like when the Spirit comes in at conversion, it's like the pilot light comes on. In your boiler, you've got, you've got a flame. You might be familiar with it. But you might never have looked at your boiler. Normally there's a little window you can look through and you can see there's a flame burning. But the, the boiler isn't firing on all cylinders. And it's as if the, the Spirit can come in at conversion, almost like a pilot light. But God wants us to be full of the Holy Spirit. That we might fully fire up, as it were, in the fullness of Him coming and indwelling us with His presence and His power. What we find also through the book of Acts, that this is not a one-off experience. It is an ongoing experience, which is why Paul says, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. We see right at the start of the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit is poured out in a special way for the first time. And it tells us at the start of chapter 2 that when the day of Pentecost came, all the believers were together in one place and there was a sound like the sound of a rushing wind and the Holy Spirit came upon them, separated out like in tongues of fire. And it says this, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
including in there, was Peter, who was probably chief among them in those days. So Peter is among them. He's part of the all of them, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes. He's already a believer. He's already a follower, but the Holy Spirit comes, and he's filled with the Spirit. And he preaches and people get saved. And a few days later, he and John are on their way up to the temple. And there's a cripple there who calls out, have you got any money? And, and he says, silver and gold, we have not. But in the name of Jesus, arise and walk. And this man who's been crippled for 40 years gets up and is healed. And then they are called to account for this. The, the rulers and the authorities are not happy at this disturbance that a cripple has been healed in the name of Jesus. And they pull Peter and John in. And then it says in chapter 4 that Peter called to account. It says Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. It's remarkable. He's already been filled. But in that moment, it's notable that he is full of the Holy Spirit as he addresses his accusers. Filled with the Holy Spirit, he said to them, rulers and elders of the people, you who crucified this Jesus, who God raised to life, it is in his name you see this man healed. And from there, they are warned and rebuked and they go back and they have a prayer meeting with all the other believers and they pray powerfully. They lift their voices together, still in uh, chapter four. And it says, after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled. Well, they've already been filled, but they're filled again with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly that we might be filled and filled again and filled again that we might live spirit-filled lives. Before we're done today, we're going to give opportunity for, for some who've never been filled before or you're not sure. We pray with you that you be filled with the Holy Spirit and begin speaking in tongues. But can I encourage all of us, those of us that are already spirit-filled believers, that we seek to be being filled with the Spirit that we exercise the gifts of the Spirit. We stir up the gifts of the Spirit. We seek to speak in tongues much. You know, there were those in Scripture like Stephen who his, he was characterized by being someone full of the Holy Spirit. There's Stephen, a man full of faith, chapter 6 of Acts, and the Holy Spirit. It's what, they, wouldn't it be great for people to say, oh, you know, do, do you know? Do you know Ricardo? Oh, yeah, a man full of the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't it be great that was how people think of us? That was how they thought of Stephen. He was so full of the Holy Spirit. He learned to live in that place that that's what people knew him as. In fact, it's interesting when we find Stephen, they're actually looking for a group of seven people to run the food distribution program. A little bit like signing up for food bank. And it says, we're, we're looking for two criteria. There's a job spec, but there's a person spec. And the person spec, two things on it. We we're looking for people that are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. To run the food distribution program. You want to be on the car park team? You've got to be full of the Holy Spirit. Want to be part of our, our stewarding, ushering team? Be full of the Holy Spirit. It's a criteria. Why? Because it's a normal Christian life. They're, they're not being called to preach or lead, although Stephen ends up preaching. But say, let's find some people to distribute the food who are full of the Holy Spirit. They're good people to serve. We want people like that on our serving teams, right? Full of the Holy Spirit. Why do we need to be filled and filled again? Well, I guess very simply because most of us don't stay full. It's not that as we give out, the spirit within us is diminished in any way, shape or form. It's probably more that through the distractions of normal life and sometimes through sin, we can, as somebody once put it, leak and need filling afresh. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. In a moment, we're going to look at what happened in the book of Acts to those who were filled for the first time. 
The first time that we're filled, some would call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But we're not called just to be baptized like we're baptized in water and then ever filled again. We're called to be baptized and continually filled, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Before we turn to that, my own story is, uh, is obviously incredibly special to me, but really our family was turned upside down when my mother encountered the Holy Spirit for the first time. Some of you know the story because I've shared it here before where she went with a friend to a certain meeting and encountered the presence and power of the Holy Spirit for the first time. She had no frame of reference for this at all. And people were being prayed for. Some of them were falling down in the power of the Holy Spirit. She did not know what was going on. It was too much fun. She, she leant over to her friend to say, I'm going to go get some fresh air. And as she leant, she was stuck. The Holy Spirit, we would believe, came upon her. Although she did not know that was what, ha- what was happening to her. She felt a burning sensation in the shape of a cross across her shoulders and her back. And she was stuck in that moment. She never got to say, I'm nipping out. But I remember her coming home. She rang the doorbell. I opened the door to my own mother. I was 16 years of age. I remember opening my door and I was just like to let her in. And I went, what has happened to you? She was radiant. She, she was full of a, a light in her eyes. There was, she looked physically different. I said, what on earth has happened to you? She said, I have no idea. The next day she knelt by her bed to say the Lord's Prayer and started speaking in tongues. Did not know what it was. Had to call a friend up who'd taken to the meeting. God, I, I, I don't know what's just happening. Something like Hebrew, but I've never learned it. So that would be something called tongues. I said, what? I don't know. We just no frame of reference. And I went along to church, and my experience was less, much less dramatic. Some of you might have a dramatic experience. Some of you might have a much less dramatic experience. My personal experience was much less dramatic. I wrestled with whether to give my life to Christ for six months. And as I say, then I I had a revelation. I gave my life to Jesus. And I began my little steps as a baby Christian. I remember a few months later going with a friend to a youth camp and encountering the presence of God for the first time. I remember on the first night recommitting my life to Christ, saying, yes, I do want to follow you. And sorry, I've not been as diligent as I should have been. And I remember the second day starting to enjoy the worship and just feel a little bit more at home. I remember on the third night encountering the presence of God within for the first time. I was looking back, I was filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. I didn't know that, what was, that was what was happening to me. Nobody told me that was what was happening to me. But I encountered the very real, tangible presence and power of God on the inside. And I was so full of joy. I was so happy. I was so excited. I was so energized. I felt fully alive. It felt like someone had turned my switch from black and white into color. I, just, I came alive on the inside. So that song, this is what you do. You make us come alive. I came alive. I didn't know that I'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. Looking back, I think that was my first time. I didn't speak in tongues at that time. I remember it was about 12 months later uh, in a service. I, and I'll share the story before we're done. I began speaking in tongues. Looking back, I could probably have begun speaking in tongues at that moment if someone had only helped me. But we don't want to build a doctrine out of an experience, although sometimes it can be helpful to share and make it real. We need to look at the Bible and see what the Bible tells us about a spirit-filled life. Well, firstly, we need to observe that the spirit-filled life is promised. The spiritual life is promised. In the book of Joel, there's a prophecy. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit, God says, on 
all flesh, on all people. And just to make sure we understand who the all people, he says, even on my servants, male and female, the men and the women, all. Up to that time, the Holy Spirit had only come, as we heard on the first week, upon those assigned for particular officers, the, the prophets, the priests, certain places within Israel, positions within Israel, but to the ordinary person, no. But in the last days, the Spirit will be poured out on all. doesn't use the word fill, but talks about an outpouring of the Spirit. Not a gentle touching, an outpouring. And also it, it qualifies it by saying, and, and they will dream dreams and they will see visions and they will prophesy. Those things that, that only the special could do, all will be enabled to do. There is a promise that the Spirit is coming to all. And then we see in the Gospels, John the Baptist comes and he's asked who he is. And, and he says, the one who sent me, speaking of God, told me that when you see the Spirit come down, you will know that is the one and that is the one who will baptize in the Holy Spirit. And he said, when I saw Jesus, I saw the Spirit come down. He is the one who will baptize in the Holy Spirit. So there's this promise, this Word from John the Baptist, he's baptizing in water. The word baptize, baptizo in the Greek, means to immerse. Some of you have seen our baptism services. We get people under the water, immerse. That's what a baptism is. You sometimes see, particularly if you have a tall person and they don't fully go under, quality control steps in and we make them go again because <laughs> they weren't fully immersed. This is what it means. And John the Baptist says, there's, God spoke to me and said, there's one coming. And this is he, and he's going to baptize. He's going to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. The promise. Jesus speaks about the Spirit to come, as we've heard about in the last couple of weeks. But in one place that we haven't looked at so far, in John chapter 7, it's really amazing because Jesus is celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles was one of the Jewish celebrations. And it was a time where they came to celebrate how God had provided water out of a rock when Moses had struck the rock. The people of Israel had been in the desert without water. They cried out to God. God had said to Moses, strike the rock and water will gush forth. What an incredible thing. If we get the picture here, it's at Tabernacles. See, Jesus is the rock. Jesus was struck on the cross, but out from him comes rivers of water. And they're at this Feast of Tabernacles. They're celebrating the time when rivers came out of a rock that was struck and Jesus lifts up his voice. It says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them or out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He's speaking and then John goes on to say, by this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. He's speaking, the Spirit is coming. And those who believe in me, out from the innermost being of them will flow the Spirit. Not a mere coming upon, but a coming within. And an outflowing of Holy Spirit. And Jesus goes to the cross and dies. And is raised to life. And then he's with his disciples just shortly before he ascends to the Father and he's taken up and he promises them and he says to them, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my Father promised which you've heard me speak about for John baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
or with the Holy Spirit. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He says, don't go anywhere. Stay in Jerusalem because the moment is coming to pass. The thing that Joel spoke about all those hundreds of years ago, it's coming to pass and it's going to come where you are. And it says they waited and they prayed and they gathered and they prayed. They were always together in prayer. We understand that from Jesus' resurrection to his ascension was about 40 days, uh, through to Pentecost was about 40 days. And yet there's a period of time, just a few days, probably maybe a couple of weeks, they're meeting, they're praying, they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting that the Spirit would be poured out and then it comes to pass. That which was promised comes to pass and is given. The Holy Spirit is given. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit, the the one spoken of that would come, is poured out in a new way, in a fresh way. But it's not just for those who are there. It is the beginning of the Spirit being poured out in this way upon all. In Acts chapter 2, it says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together In one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Spirit, the Bible says, filled them. They were filled with the Spirit and they spoke in tongues, other languages, We'll come to that in just a moment. And Peter stands up and begins to explain to those that are present what is going on. And at the end of it, they say, what must we do in response to this message? And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins in the name of Jesus. And then he says this in Acts 2.38, and you will receive, what do we all say receive? You and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that they have just received. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say this. This is for you, your children, and all who are far off. For all whom the Lord God will call. That's us, friends. That's us. The the Holy Spirit, Peter said, it's for you and those that will come after you. And all that may believe through your message, the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's given. And he's given to us And as we go through the book of Acts, we see numbers of times where the believers are filled with the Spirit. People who've never been filled are filled, and those that are filled are fresh. But I'm particularly interested in the times where people are filled for the first time. There are four accounts after Pentecost, and we're going to turn there in just a moment to see. But I want to qualify by saying Luke clearly is not trying to set out a systematic theology for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You have to pick between the stories of what he's saying, but to see there are times when people are filled for the first time what you might call a baptism. And so the language is actually interchangeable. We find sometimes the language is filled, sometimes received, sometimes poured out, given, come upon. But we understand in the context that it's the same thing happening. Believers being filled with the Spirit for the first time. The first Incidents is found in Acts chapter 8. It's in Samaria. Philip has gone down into the region and he's preaching about Jesus. And people are responding to faith. And this is what the Bible says in Acts 8, 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers. So they're already believers. 
But they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now in this instance, it doesn't say that they spoke in tongues or they prophesied, but the account actually isn't about that. The account is of a sorcerer named Simon. And this guy, this sorcerer, it says, when he saw that the Holy Spirit had been poured out in this way, he said, can I buy that ability? Now the disciples rebuke him. This is what the story's about. So we're, kind of, we're in a bit of a cameo role here, but we're seeing something must have been evidence. There must have been something visible. Because Simon goes, wow, check that out. That's awesome. Can I buy that? Because if I could do what you've just done, that would be amazing. Something had clearly happened. In the next chapter, we see Saul, Saul of Tarsus, who, who had been uh, persecuting the Christians. But Jesus appears supernaturally in a glory cloud, appears to him on the road, and he's blinded and he, he comes down. I believe in that encounter, Saul gives his life to Christ. It doesn't say that he does, but he calls him Lord. Who are you, Lord? He says, and Jesus speaks to him. And then he goes to this particular place and a normal disciple, just like Obadiah, who's actually called Ananias, God speaks to him and says, I want you to go to a particular house, the house of Judas on Straight Street, and you'll find there somebody called Saul. Wow, gets a word of knowledge. Next week, Dr. John Andrews will be here speaking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Ananias, he gets this word of knowledge and he has a release of faith because he knows this guy's been killing Christians. And he goes, and this is what happens when Ananias arrives. He says, Ananias, this is Acts 9, 17, went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. We understand later, because Paul writes to the church at Corinth, that Paul was a great advocate for speaking in tongues. Maybe as he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he begins. But as I've said, Luke isn't trying to spell this out in some systematic way. But something happened as hands were laid on Saul, he went from that place and started uh, meeting with the disciples and then preaching powerfully in the synagogues, empowered by the Holy Spirit. The next chapter, we've got the Gentiles. You see, up until this point, only Jews had been followers in Jesus and only Jews had been filled with the Holy Spirit. But then there's a God-fearing man called Cornelius. He's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. And he prays to God every day, the Bible says. And, and God sends Peter through a supernatural vision and occurrence, sends him to Cornelius' house. And Peter is there. And so Peter is preaching about Jesus. He's preaching that Jesus died on the cross. And he's preaching that he rose from the dead. And while he's still preaching, the Holy Spirit comes on Cornelius and all of their household. And they are filled. And this is what the Bible says. This is Acts 10 now. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, in other words, the Jews who'd come with Peter, were, as a, as a, were astonished sorry, that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water, for they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. 
So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. And Peter stayed with them for a few days. And the final occurrence is found in Ephesus, where Paul goes down. It says, chapter 19 of Acts, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. He found some disciples. So these are people he's not trying to convert. These are already somehow followers, although their doctrine's not quite straightened out. He found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? A bit like my mum, they said, no, we haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they said. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. The evidence that the Holy Spirit had come upon them, the Spirit-filled life is given. I'd like us to consider what conclusions we can draw from these accounts. Firstly, I believe it is God's desire and God's design for all of his children to be filled with himself, the Holy Spirit. The promise that he'd be poured out, the, the promise that Jesus, when we come to him, we, we come to him by faith. He's ascended to be with the Father. But when we come to him, he will baptize us, immerse us in the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is given, the promise of the Father. How much more will the Spirit be given to those who ask? And here we see believers, the normal Christian life, people coming to faith and yet being filled with the Holy Spirit. Secondly, being filled is not the same as being converted or born again. We thank God for his work in salvation. Without that, there is nothing. But it appears that there were those who were believers and yet the Spirit comes. Jesus says to the disciples, wait, wait in Jerusalem because something is yet to come. And then in Samaria, in Ephesus, with Saul, with Cornelius, those who were already following after God, the Spirit comes and fills them. And thirdly, God is not working to formula. It doesn't seem in these stories as though it always follows exactly the same pattern. It can be a little bit different here, a little bit different there. And yet we see that the first filling often comes through the laying on of hands. Not always. At Pentecost it didn't, but there was nobody yet spirit-filled. At Cornelius' house it didn't, but there, were no, there was no Jew in faith that a Gentile could be filled. But in the other instances it was. So the, the normal experience would seem to be through the laying on of hands. Although we know many people... And some, you know, Esther shared a couple of weeks ago, probably just praying in her rooms and, oh, God, fill me. And the Lord filled her. You can go away from this place today. You can pray in the privacy of your room. Lord, fill me. And he probably will. But we see most commonly through the laying on of hands. And secondly, we see that most commonly there is some evidence. There's some evidence. Something is seen, something notable. Whether it's recorded or not, we know something happened. And most often through the speaking in tongues. maybe through praise, maybe through prophecy. In a few minutes, we're going to give opportunity for people to be prayed for, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We had such a wonderful, beautiful time at the end of our first service here today as people came forward and were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. And let me just take a moment to say a bit about speaking in tongues. In a number of these accounts, people began to speak in tongues. Peter at Pentecost says the gift of the Holy Spirit. But you know, my friends, the, 
the gift of the Spirit that is given, He will enable you to speak in tongues. I want to distinguish briefly between a message that is brought in tongues publicly that requires an interpretation. We'll hear a little bit more of this probably next week through Dr. John. You see, if I, if I stand up and I say, Yes? You're going to go, I don't know. How can I say yes? Oh, No? I have no idea. You can say, I don't understand what is being said. So, so Paul says, look, if you're going to bring a message in tongues, somebody needs to interpret that. So someone can come and by the Spirit say, this is what has just been declared. But it is by the Spirit we are enabled to pray in the Spirit. And that same language that, that may be, or languages that may be released in a public setting, that privately I can use that. And here is our conviction, is that the use of private tongues is for every believer. And we'll look just for a moment about speaking in tongues. What is speaking in tongues? Well, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. I believe here he's talking about praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. Praying in tongues. Firstly, it's speaking in other languages or mysteries by the Spirit. At the start of Acts, when they spoke in languages, they were languages that other people recognized and could hear Hear them proclaiming the praises of God in their own language. But Paul also talks about them as being mysteries by the Spirit. The reality is when we speak in tongues, we can be enabled by the Spirit to speak in a number of different languages that we've never learned. And it is a way of prayer. And we may be enabled. I know numbers of stories of people who've spoken in tongues and it's been a language that somebody in the vicinity, in the room has understood. It's been their native tongue and it has spoken directly to them. But it might be a language that nobody in the room understands because it is actually a mystery by the Spirit, but it is nonetheless a language. Secondly, Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 14, he's really talking about the use of prophecy in a public space. But in so doing, he contrasts speaking in tongues. And it's the chapter in the Bible where we learn the most about speaking in tongues. But he says, when somebody speaks in tongues, he speaks to God. So we understand that actually it is a form of prayer. It is a way of praying. You know, for me, I, I pray in tongues every day. And how often, I, I don't know what to pray. I don't know what needs to be prayed. But the Spirit within me knows what needs to be prayed. It is a prayer language, enabled by God to God, that I might be used in that. Jackie Pullinger, who was a missionary to Hong Kong, tells an incredible story about she'd begun speaking in tongues, but she didn't, she didn't use it as a prayer language. And then she met some people who challenged her to do it. And her ministry was turned upside down for 15 minutes by the clock. She began to pray in the Spirit. And after a few weeks, she saw incredible things happen. She saw uh, drug addicts healed on the spot, people coming to faith in Christ easily, gang leaders surrendering their, surrendering their lives to Christ. She saw an incredible move of God and, and she, she was amazed by the turnaround in her ministry and then she realized the only thing I'm doing differently is I'm praying in the Spirit. It's a language of prayer. 1 Corinthians 14, 4, Paul says, if I speak in tongue, I edify myself. It means I build myself up. You know, I want to say from my own experience, sometimes speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit for 10, 15 minutes, I physically feel energized. I physically feel the benefit. Something on the inside of me, spiritually, emotionally, physically, 
edifies, it's an incredible thing enabled by the Spirit. I believe the Spirit, fourthly, uh, in, in, encourages that this is for all believers. Paul says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. He's actually in context talking about would rather have prophecy in a public context. But he said, I'd like you all to speak in tongues. Fifthly, we see that this is a spiritual exercise. Paul 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I say? Well, I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my mind. I'll, I'll sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my mind. That Friends, we should do both, not one or the other. We should pray intelligibly, but we should also pray in the Spirit. And sixthly, this should be done much. Paul is able to say, I speak in tongues more than all of you, verse 18. He's confident. I don't care. Give me your best tongue speaker and I bet you I'll out-tongue them. Why? Because he understood the power and the secret of praying in the Spirit. And he's bold enough to be able to say, I guarantee you I do this more than anybody. He knows, the great apostle, he has learned the power and the secret of praying in the Spirit. Can I say, if once you activated, this was activated in you and you've let it be dormant, stir it up again. Be somebody that prays in the Spirit on all occasions. Allow God to work in you and through you, that you will be built up and that you might use this gift that has been given to you. But what if you've never spoken in tongues? You know, how on earth are you supposed to get started? Well, I'd like us to notice something really important as we begin to come into land here this morning, which is right at the beginning, at the start of the book of Acts, chapter 2, at Pentecost, where it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I want to understand this really important principle. It was they that spoke, not the Spirit. Why don't we all say they spoke? They spoke as the Spirit. Who enabled them? The Spirit. They couldn't have done it without the Spirit. You can't speak in tongues by yourself. You can have a go, but you'll run out. You can try and make it up. You can try and mock it, but you won't be able to sustain it. But you are enabled to speak in tongues by the Spirit. It is a supernatural given ability and a gift. And yet it's not the Spirit that speaks. Your mouth will not be taken over. The Spirit will not come and wiggle your tongue for you. And many of us, I think we, we can expect that, particularly when we, we want it to be authentic. We want it to be real. We don't want to be making it up. And we're waiting for the Spirit to come and go, let me tell you, He isn't going to do that. He isn't going to do that. You, will say, they spoke as the Spirit enabled them. I can remember back to my story. I'd had uh, this encounter in the presence of God at a youth camp. And, and I remember in the church I was in, a lot of people spoke in tongues, but I didn't speak in tongues. And I remember seeing people, they got saved and speaking in tongues on the same day. I thought, that was so unfair. I've been a Christian two years now. How come they get it straight away? I remember I got frustrated. And during a worship time, you know, the best position and posture to receive is not frustration, but mine was. And I remember during a worship time, I went down the front of a meeting. And one of the leaders kind of rushed out because this, you know, this weird guy had just kind of rocked up at the front. It's like, excuse me, what do you want? Come and sit to the side. And, and, um, and I said, I want to speak in tongues. And he said, are you a Christian? I said, yes. He said, are you filled with the Spirit? I said, I don't know. And here's the thing. If we don't speak in tongues, then often we don't know. 
It's primarily important so that we can pray in the Spirit, but it also it gives us that confidence to know that we've been filled. I said, I don't know. The third question he said was, have you got sin in your life? I was like, oh, come on, man, give me a break. I was like, of course I've got sin in my life, but you know, I think what he meant was, have you got any willful, ongoing place of disobedience that you know could be a blockage? And I said, I have not got anything major. I'm not perfect. And he said, well, you should ask, and then you'll receive, and then you should just begin to speak. And I was like, what? I was like, no, I'm, I'm looking for a power encounter. And he said, no, we're going to pray, and you're going to ask. The key of the kingdom is ask, and you will receive. How much more will the Holy Spirit be given to those who ask? So, so we prayed, and I asked. And then he said, now I want you to begin to speak in tongues. I was like, no, no I'm not having this. I was like, come on, man. It's like, I, I'm expecting a bit more than this. I'm expecting rivers to rush out of my mouth. And he said, you need to begin. I said, I don't want to make it up. He said, you just need to start. Take a step of faith. It's like turning a tap. The the, the water will come out, but you've got to turn the tap. I said, I don't know what to say. He said, of course you don't. You just need to take a step. I said, how can I take a step when I don't even know what to say? He said, come on, you just got to do it. And you know, in that moment, I sensed the presence of God. If I hadn't sensed the presence of God, I'd have gone back to my seats, thought, I want this to be real. But I sensed God, and I reasoned in that moment that if God was present, that he was in it. And I took a little step, and I can't remember what I said, but it was probably something like, Karamahanda. And he went, there you go. I was like, come on. Karamahanda? He said, like, come on, a bit more. So I said, all right. Karamahanda, Sasharahanda. So I said, come on, you've got to keep it going. So I'm just like, Karamahanda, Sharamahanda. He said, there you are, you've got started. So I said, well, do you know what? I thought two things in that moment. Number one, this was so easy, I could have done this 12 months ago. And the truth is, I could have. And the second thing I thought is, I'm going to need to do a bit better than this. And remember, I went from that place, and I went for a walk that afternoon. I had Karamahanda, Sharabahanda. But I was walking, I was like, Lord, help me. Karamahanda, Sharabahanda, Sedu Koho Shukuroho. Oh, hello, got a bit more. Saramahoshu Kurundo, Kubutika Balaha. Oh, hello. Wow, he's coming. Do you know what? Through that week, I just, what I'd got, I started, and I started to learn. By the end of the week, I could go for an hour. Rito shoso kole kete de. Hiromanda balahaka. Rabores tu shikabroko loko tomonoho. But I had to get started. Did you know when you were two years old, you didn't go from ma 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 to hi dad, I can now speak, right? I, I'm like, I've got this thing down. I'm like, I know I've just been listening for a bit, but I'm away now, right? So I'd like to get some toast and some marmalade and I'm good to go. If we could just pack my things up, get some spare nappies because we're going to need it because I'm not yet trained. I'm, I'm all to go, right? Well, it doesn't happen, okay? So sometimes we might... We might get fully going in a language we've never learned. Sometimes it might take us a little bit of faltering steps, and that's okay. But they spoke as the Spirit enabled them. I wonder if the band could come and join me. You know, what do we do if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, just real quick, we, we need to desire. Can I say, you don't need to be fearful. You don't need to be fearful. Your Father knows how to give you good gifts. And he comes to equip you and bless you. You may need to repent. 
I'm not talking about a total inventory of your whole life, but if you know that something will be blocking, if you know that there's an area in your life that right now it's present before you, and, and how can you ask the Holy Spirit to come into a place that you know is unholy, then you can repent and say, God, cleanse me, forgive me. He's not waiting for you to be perfect, let me tell you that. But it's good that we come with pure hearts. Thirdly, we should ask. Ask and you will receive. How much more will the Holy Spirit be given to those who ask? The people I prayed with at the end of the first service, I just got them to ask. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. That's all. And then learn to receive. Learn to receive. You might sense the presence of God. You, you might sense Him filling you from the inside out. But even if you don't feel anything particular, by faith understand that the one who, to whom you have asked is the one that promises to, to give. That when you ask, you will receive. And by faith, we can receive. And then we believe as the Spirit is given, He will enable you to speak in tongues. You need to begin to take a step and speak. It's part of putting the gift on. It's part of unwrapping the gift, as it were. You know, if Esther gives me a jumper for Christmas, and I hope she will, you know, I need to open it, but if, if I'm waiting for her to put it on, it ain't going to happen. I mean, her to put it on me, right? I put it on myself. And that's part of stepping out by faith. I wonder if we could stand together. In just a moment, the band are going to lead us in worship. And I'm going to ask you, if you'd like us to pray with you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that you come forward. There's a prayer ministry team here. We're going to be ready to pray with people. Step out of your seat and come. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. If you're not yet a Christian, the first thing we'll ask is, have you given your life to Jesus? You need to do that. But can I also say to the many that will be in their seats who have been filled with the Spirit in times past, are able to speak in tongues, let us be those that live a Spirit-filled life. Let's seek to be being filled with the Spirit. Stir up the gift of God. Speak in tongues more than you have done for a while, however much you've been speaking in tongues. And can we pray? Holy Spirit, we thank You that You come. We thank You that You pour Yourself out. We thank You. You are the gift that is given. And we pray in these moments that You would move powerfully you'd come and you'd fill your children. We ask you, come Holy Spirit, flood this place with your presence and your power. In Jesus' name, amen.